Greetings and welcome, everyone, to a new edition of ASME's podcast, ASME Today and Tomorrow. I'm Michael Cowan, ASME's Director of Strategic Communications, here with ASME's Executive Director, CEO, Tom Costabile. Hey, Tom. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Tom? You know, I couldn't be better. Just living the dream, Michael. Excellent. Glad to hear it. As a professional society devoted to ensuring that the field of mechanical engineering stays strong and continues to flourish, ASME is involved with a variety of efforts in the area of engineering curricula, credentialing, and licensure. In recent years, the area of licensure has emerged as a crucial focal point within the broader field of mechanical engineering, and not surprisingly, ASME has been playing a leadership role in this area. Today, Tom and I are very fortunate to welcome Dave Sokup, Managing Director of Governance, to the program to give us some insights into why ASME believes that this is such an essential area. In addition to his role as Managing Director of Governance, Dave is also an ASME Fellow. And since we'll be talking about licensure today, it's definitely worth noting that both Dave and Tom are licensed professional engineers. So before we bring Dave in, let me just quickly ask Tom, why did we want to focus on this topic today? Well, Michael, that's a good question. You know, David and I started over a year ago uh, talking to different societies about the the need for professional licensure. Uh, Some of our younger engineers today don't believe it's necessary. If you look at it in different uh, different avenues, different venues that uh, we engineers uh, walk on, civil engineering definitely it's a criteria. Mechanical, in my day and when when I was practicing engineering, it was definitely uh, a need. But today. In a typical engineering firm, you might have one or two PEs, and you'll have uh, several uh, staff members that, that are engineers, and then the PEs are the, are the individuals that are signing off on the drawings. It's a difficult subject. It's one that, uh, as I said, is very timely because the need for professional licensing and then the time commitment and also the, the cost involved with it. Uh, in my case, uh, I've put my license on hold because I'm not stamping drawings anymore. And for me to go back, I'd have to go back to some continuing education, come up to speed with the current codes and what have you. Uh, while I like to think I stay current with it, but not practicing every day, I'm not comfortable going back to that uh, the, the idea that I can sign off on a drawing. So I carry the title. I'm proud of it. Uh, <clears throat> if I decide to go back and do any type of real engineering work where design is, correct, is, is there, uh, I would have to invest uh, probably a good six months in the refresher courses, unlike my colleague who teaches these courses. So, <laughs> Sorry for a long-winded answer, Michael, but it's a very timely topic. Let's, uh, let's get Dave's opinion. Really, I think it's an obligation that ASME has to kind of reinforce the fact that we're members of a, of a learned profession. It recognizes that we are interested in protecting the health, safety, and welfare of the public through the laws of the states and territories of the United States. ASME-wise, it represents a large base of our membership that actually uh, over 30% of the senior members in the United States are licensed professional engineers. Dave, you know, you say that the last code week, we had a little over 800 volunteers coming together to talk about the code. The part that's interesting is you sit there, you, you can tell who has a license and who doesn't. At least I can. And when you and I spent some time in Arizona uh, last year with the uh, accrediting group, it was interesting to see that there were different approaches to the practical side of the exam. Can I get an advanced degree and will that apply for some less time that's on the practical mm-hmm. side? Mm-hmm. I don't believe so, because the most informative part for me between taking the first part of the exam and the second part was actually field experience. In my day, 
and I'd say my day because we're contemporaries, <laughs> but the three E's of earning an engineering license. What's your view? The three E's are education, experience, and examination. So it's very much like getting a driver's license in that you have to get some training to learn how to drive. You have to get an examination, a road test, and you've got to have some experience out on the road. You need to have the education, which is a four-year bachelor's degree from an accredited institution. You need four years of progressive engineering experience, and you need to pass uh, actually two exams. One's the Fundamentals of Engineering exam, which is a six-hour test, and the other is an eight-hour Principles and Practice of Engineering exam. Examinations have changed over the years. Nowadays, you take a specific fundamentals exam in mechanical engineering, and then you have actually a choice of three exams to take for your PE exam. One's in heating, ventilating, air conditioning, and refrigeration. Uh, One's in machine design and materials, and the other is in thermal and fluid systems. And, And another interesting thing is that nowadays you take the FE exam using a computer. It's computer-based. You no longer do the uh, bubble-in exams like uh, we're used to, uh, to doing. And actually starting very soon, there's going to be a computer-based professional engineer's exam for mechanical engineering. The year I took the first part of the exam was the first year that they allowed us to use calculators. Mm. So that's how old I am. Mm. So, you know, thanks. That, that was interesting about the three E's, but kind of taking a step beyond, what in general would you say the benefits of becoming licensed are? Well, I think it really opens up a lot of career opportunities kind of related to ASME. Some of our codes really require that you have a professional engineer's license to sign off on the design. If you're thinking about practicing in another country, there are reciprocity agreements with other countries who recognize the licensing exam. And kind of having the, the letters PE after your name makes your, your resume stand out as compared to other people who are applying for jobs. And uh, also for salaries, our latest salary survey showed that PEs get about 10% more in terms of salary every year. So if you think about it over the career that you have, uh, that represents probably uh, close to half a million dollars in terms of uh, increased compensation that you'll get. You know, Michael, I draw the analogy, and for Dave's benefit, I draw the analogy similar to why do I need a college education? I personally have seen the, the effects of the, the maturing process of individuals that go through a, a college of two-year versus a four-year versus a, a master's program. And I see the same within, with a, a professional engineering license. My son is into research right now, has a whole bunch of... Uh, I want to say manufacturing type engineers working for them, but more of the practical side. So the, as scientists, we think about stuff. As engineers, we build it. So how do we take the science and build it? All of these guys that are building products, mostly in the medical space, they're not licensed. What's the difference, in your opinion, between licensure and certification? If you think about licensure, that's something that's done by the states and territories of the United States. So, for example, the state of Kentucky issues a professional engineer's license to you. Certification, on the other hand, is done by private organizations. So, for example, ASME has a uh, geometric dimensioning and tolerancing uh, certification program. You might think about the world of physicians, that physicians get an MD license 
But then on top of that, they become board certified. And there's actually some movement to maybe change the engineering model so that there is a state license, but then on top of that, one would get certified in a specialty area. So, Dave, let's bring this kind of into ASME a little bit. Where does ASME fit in all of this, and and basically what role is ASME playing with licensure? ASME members serve on exam writing committees, licensing boards. We provide continuing education for people to maintain their license, actually. Uh, The model law says you have to have about 15 hours every two years of continuing education. We participate in the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying, and actually we're the lead society of a coalition called Licensing That Works. Uh, This is a group of 11 engineering societies that believe in maintaining the bachelor's degree as the education requirement for licensure. Dave, that's great. The the other part you might uh, just impart for our listeners is... uh If they want to find out more about uh, some resources, uh, what should they do? If you're still in college, I'd suggest going to your department or or dean's office because there are a lot of schools nowadays that are requiring people to, to take the exam and even a few schools that are requiring you to pass the exam in order for you to graduate with your bachelor's degree. I mentioned the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying. That's NCEES. Uh, So look at ncees.org for more information. Uh, There are state and territorial licensing boards. Uh, For those of you outside the United States, uh, look into your country's licensing situation. And I'd be glad to answer questions as well. It's S-O-U-K-U-P, like Peter, then D, like David, at ASME.org. Thank you. you. You really gave us a good feel for why this topic matters. I think, you know, sometimes maybe people just hear licensure and they just think, oh, it's a simple matter. But actually, there are lots of uh, nuances and facets to it, and it does show why it, it's very important for ASME and for engineers in general. So thank you. Tom, what are some of your takeaways today? You know, Michael, David and I talk about this quite a lot. So there's, the takeaways for me it really is imparting some at least a few words that would help our listeners think about licensure. David's a, a, a huge uh, resource, wealth of knowledge. We both have kids that are engineers. Have you had the conversation with your kid about licensure? Yeah, actually early on, because she got no encouragement at all from her university, so I said, take the exam while you're still in school, and, and luckily she did. You don't have to wait the four years of having experience before you take the exam. You can essentially take it anytime after you've passed the FE exam. So luckily she has passed the exam. She does need to get a little more experience and to, uh, to document that experience. She's not really working for an organization that is encouraging licensure, but I said she's in the aerospace area. If you've got the PE license, it'll be a lot easier. If for some reason, things don't work out and you're having to look for a, a position elsewhere. Well, Dave, thanks. You know, I, having met Betsy on a couple of occasions, she is a great kid, smart engineer. Uh, it's not surprising. And, you know, the space rocket work that she's done is just unbelievable. So we're both fortunate. Uh, my son also lives in California. And I've had the conversation with him, and uh, we're, we're, he's trying to weigh, should I go for an advanced degree now, or what should I be doing back and forth? But uh, 
it's today's millennials. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to you, Michael. That wraps up another edition of ASME Today and Tomorrow. Thanks again to our guest, Dave Sokup, Managing Director of Governance, for joining us. Thanks also to co-host Tom Costabile, ASME's Executive Director, CEO, and to Josh Oleska for serving as Associate Producer. As always, we invite you, our listeners, to drop us a line at media at ASME.org with any ideas or suggestions for a future topic or guests. And have a great day, everyone. 